0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Heavenly Father, we have a very short and a very simple prayer uh, to ask of you this evening. And that is that tonight, uh, despite any distractions that may be going on in our minds, uh, despite any situation we have, may have come from, we pray that we would have ears to hear. Please, may we have ears To hear, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I'm hoping uh, up on the screen um, is a famous. It's quite. You may have seen this before. It's quite a famous Gary Larson cartoon uh, from a few years ago now. Uh, And just in in case you can't quite see it or can't quite read the words there, um, what we've got there are two panels, and on both panels, a man is talking to a dog. Well, the first panel's got on it, um, What We Say to Dogs. And uh, there's, a, there's a man talking to a dog and saying to the dog, who's called Ginger. We can work that out, I think. Okay, Ginger, I've had it. You stay out of the garbage. Understand, Ginger? Stay out of the garbage or else. And uh, the second panel then has the title, What They Hear. And there's also a speech bubble coming out of the man, but this time the speech bubble has in it, uh, blah, blah, Ginger. Blah, 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 Ginger. Blah, 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 blah. This is a picture, then, of a dog who uh, might look like it's hearing. It might be some signs of attentiveness, you know, tail wagging, bright eyes. But it's not really hearing anything very much at all. Now, that problem is a severe one, isn't it? And, And that problem of hearing, but not really hearing, is not limited to humans talking to animals Uh, Apparently, it can also happen when, for example, wives talk to husbands. Uh, That's what my wife Catherine claims anyway. Uh, She tells me, uh, she has to tell me about this later, she tells me she can stand there giving quite detailed uh, information or instructions on something happening, say, later in the day, and I look like I'm listening. You know, there are some signs of life going on there. You know, I might be nodding. Uh, I might even look like I'm, you know vaguely listening It might even even be sort of semi-verbal responses grunting or that sort of thing but then later whenever whatever it was doesn't happen and I ask well why didn't you tell me Uh, she'll give me uh, a look uh, especially reserved uh, for such occasions in fact and cry out I did tell you well at least that's what she claims that may, of course, just be an elaborate way of covering up not telling me in the first place. <laughs> now, we can, <laughs> I have to be very careful because he's just just tell <laughs> there may be trouble later. Um, we can laugh off these uh, kind of communication failures when they're not so important, at least that's what I'm trying to do now. <laughs> and, uh, but what the thing that we're listening to, the words that we're hearing, are actually of life and death importance. And they're not just from from me or from Catherine. They're from an absolutely 100% trustworthy source. Uh, What happens when we're not hearing it then? That's the question we're going to talk about tonight. When God speaks to us, something of such vital importance that we simply must hear it and do something about it, are we going to be like the dog in the picture? That's that's kind of the, the big question we're going to think about tonight. Or are we going to hear and understand and do something about it, perhaps even change the entire direction of our lives. Now, this is week two of a very short series looking at these parables of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. And actually, this is the second week in which we're looking at the first of the parables, so the longest of the parables, what Jesus calls the parable of the sower. And at last time, if you weren't here, let me just recap quickly. We were looking at how this parable and its explanation Uh, should give us renewed confidence uh, when we go out into the world and we face very mixed responses as we speak of Jesus and the kingdom. It was uh, just the same 2,000 years ago uh, we saw. uh, It was very unsettling back then, disappointing, discouraging for Jesus' disciples when when he spoke of the kingdom or they spoke of the kingdom and there was just so many negative responses uh, to what they said. Likewise for us when we speak of Jesus in the kingdom and get very little in the way of lasting response. Well, for those who have ears to hear last week, what we heard from Jesus uh, gave us a glimpse behind the reality of that experience. And the explanation he gave unveiled for us what's really going on behind the scenes. And right at the heart of that, we learned that in the end, it is God's will Is God's will to reveal the kingdom to some and to hide it from others. Now, we can't see directly to whom he's doing that. Uh, But we do know that one of those two things is going to be going on in the background. And that means that when we go out and speak of the kingdom, there could well be different responses to what we say, ranging from bad to good. And that's represented by the four types of soil in the parable. And then you see, once we understand that that is what's going on behind the scenes, we're not taken aback when we get a poor response. It's not a surprise. It might be disappointing, but it's not a surprise. And what's more, once we understand how it works, uh, that not all speaking is going to produce a good result, that should encourage us, we were thinking last time, to speak more, not less. It's like the farmer, isn't it? You know, if he, if he, if he knows that, he, that not every seed is going to, to germinate and form a plant, he spreads more seed, more liberally, all over the place. And that should be like us with the word. Uh, now, I, I know from uh, chatting to several people from after last week that many of us have found what Jesus said back then and says in these verses um, perhaps slightly unnerving. I mean, can that truth right at the heart of the passage be really right? But God is God's will to reveal the kingdom to some, but not to others. But what we find in the scriptures is that God's sovereignty over these things, it's, it, it's written all over the Bible, in fact. And we could think about it further, but it's in many ways an unavoidable consequence of the fact that he's creator. It's written all over the Bible. In fact, it's not the first time in Matthew's gospel that, that this has come up. Not even the first time Jesus has talked about it in Matthew's Gospel. And in fact, you just need to turn back a page uh, to Matthew chapter 11 and you'll find exactly the same kind of idea. Matthew chapter 11. And let me uh, read from verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. You see, in the end, when we really look into it, it is down to God's good pleasure. Who gets the kingdom revealed and who does not? It's his gracious will. Now, that might sound strange to us, but it is, in fact, entirely just and fair. If he hides it, It's a just response to our rejection of him. If he reveals it, then it's an act of pure, undeserved grace. Uh, What's more, we were thinking a little bit last week, if that were not true of God, the implications would actually be terrible. But what's especially important for us to see tonight is that all these deep truths about God that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew's Gospel, they don't make our decision-making empty or futile. They don't take the choice away from us. Now, how so? Well, you see, we won't actually know to whom God has revealed these things until the very end, until the kingdom fully comes. And what that means right now, from our point of view, is that no one's locked into a particular decision one way or the other. No one's stopping us from responding to what Jesus says. And he clearly thinks that we should respond to what he says. He's spreading that word liberally to everyone and he clearly thinks everyone should respond. Now I realize these things are hard, and there's much more to, to, to say about them. and I'd, I'd love to say more, and do come and talk to me later about it if you'd like to chat more. But one of the keys to understanding all of this, and I think we see this uh, here in Matthew 13, is the Bible presents these things to us from two very different perspectives. Last week, we were, if you like, looking at it from the God's eye point of view, the big picture, if you like. you know which way? each of the soils will go. But this week, we're looking at it slightly differently. We're down on the ground, if you like, and things are very different from this perspective. And down here, on the ground, the call goes out to everyone. Uh, We can see it in chapter 11, verse 28. Just after those words from Jesus about hiding the kingdom from some and giving it to others, Jesus gives out this amazing call to everyone. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. In other words, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes, each of us still has to decide how we're going to respond to that call. Down here, right now, the only thing holding us back from a positive response to what Jesus says is our own internal resistance, and we will be held entirely responsible for that. Now, what we find, turning back to Matthew 13 again, what we're going to see tonight here in Matthew 13 is exactly the same kind of pattern. Jesus is also calling us to respond, calling us to hear and change through these verses. And I think we can sum up that purpose like this, that we might hear, see, understand, turn, persevere, and be fruitful. It's a quite wonderful Complex call. It encompasses the whole of the Christian life, right from the beginning, then through all the ups and downs of life to the end. And that call builds up progressively over the three sections of our passage. Three times, in fact, Jesus will call us to hear what he's saying. Then each time, as we move through the whole passage, we get a little bit more detail, a little bit more content about what that's going to mean in practice. But we get the call in its basic essence uh, right at the beginning in verses uh, one to nine uh, to hear, to hear. Verses one to nine, hear, wake up and put some effort into processing what Jesus says about the kingdom. And of course we see that that call most especially as we uh, read verse nine there in the passage. He who has ears, Let him hear. In fact, this is the only imperative, the only command in the whole passage. He who has ears, let him hear. But hear what? Well, I suppose most directly, and first of all, the parable Jesus has just been telling, the parable about the sower sowing seed and what happens to the seed on four different kinds of soil. And that's immediately quite challenging, isn't it? Because we'd have to admit that on its own, listening to that parable, it's quite hard to make sense of. I suppose if we put our minds to it, we could perhaps work out that this is something about God's purposes coming good in the end. It's a bit like the, the purposes of, as a, of a farmer coming good in the end as he spreads seed liberally. But I think you'd have to admit that the parable is not an obvious choice for an evangelistic sermon. Yeah, you know, it's not. The, it's not the first thing most of us would choose, and uh, we can imagine his disciples at the time is slightly tearing their hair out. You know, why couldn't you have done the uh, two ways to live with them or something like that? Or why couldn't you say what you said in John three sixteen? Why are you doing this? Why are we getting a farming story? As we were thinking about last week, the challenge here is quite deliberate. You see, as Jesus speaks like this, it separates those who can't be bothered from those who are genuinely interested. Yes, it is true that some will just walk away from this. Not worth my time, they say. But some won't. They might be struggling to understand, but they want to know more. Uh, So instead of walking away, they come closer. In fact, they do what the disciples do here, and come closer to Jesus, you know, seeking answers seeking explanation, seeking understanding. And I hope you can see that Jesus is strongly encouraging us, every one of us here tonight, to be part of that second group. He who has ears, let him hear. I think we can apply this uh, principle even more widely, much more widely, in fact, than just this parable. After all, uh, you'll know already there's much about the Christian faith that's hard to understand, and there are many things in the Bible, in the Scriptures that are very hard to stand, hard to understand. Uh, indeed, what Jesus says here, we've just been looking at about the kingdom revealed to some but not to others, is hard to understand. There's no denying it. But the question is, what are you going to do? What are we going to do when we don't understand something? Are we going to just give up and walk away? I have seen people do that and uh, no matter how much you implore them it's immensely frustrating when that happens but this is, if you like the excuse they find to walk away it's disappointing, I guess, in many cases because it often is just an excuse it might be dressed up as, I don't know, intellectual integrity or something like that but it's often just a way of saying I don't want to know But Jesus doesn't want us to respond that way, does he? Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples come to him in faith. Not a complete faith, but a faith that's seeking understanding. So I guess the question is, will we do that when we don't understand? Will you come on a, a Christianity Explored course, for example, and ask all those difficult questions that are building up? Uh, Would you come once a month to to forward Bible training on the Saturdays? Again, asking all those questions as they build up. Will you read your Bible more, Uh, not less, asking lots of questions? Because Jesus does suggest that if we do that, sufficient understanding will come. And that's what we see really in the the middle part of the passage from verses 10 through to 17. Um, We've had the call to hear once, Now, Jesus is going to build on that with a call to hear, see, understand, and turn. Again, to begin with, the call is to hear, hear the momentous news of the kingdom, but then we build on that. See that it's true, understand the implications, and turn to Jesus to be healed. And the key verse I want to focus on here is verse 15, as Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six, the word of the Lord to the prophet Isaiah. For this people's heart have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and Turn. And I would heal them. And you might remember from last week that what Jesus is doing here is he's comparing his situation as he goes out with the word of the kingdom to that of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, it's very much being sent to pass on a message uh, to, to people who really very often don't want to hear. Or perhaps very few of them do. But from this description from Isaiah of what these people with hard, calloused hearts are like, we can work out, of course, what they should be doing, how they should be responding. And we can see that in the second half of the verse, especially. See with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So there are four parts to it, aren't there? There's hear, see, understand, and turn. First of all, of course, for the second time tonight, Jesus says, here, you know, wake up, listen, hear the message of the kingdom. The kingdom of the heavens is near. But then second, see, see that that is true, that claim is true. See Jesus for who he is, that so the one making this claim about the kingdom is trustworthy and speaks with full, intimate authority about what's going on. You see, the kingdom may not be explicitly visible to us yet, but if we see who Jesus is, then we will see what he says is true and see the nearness of the kingdom as a reality, something that's absolutely present and urgent for us to deal with. But third, understand. Understand with your hearts. Understand what it means for the kingdom to be near. That's the message that Jesus has been preaching. We were thinking about this last week. You see, the universe has been split apart, we were saying, by sin. On the one hand, we've got heaven representing the good rule of God, the creator. On the other, we've got the earth where we are. And the two have been split apart, separated by our rejection of his rule, by our sin. But Jesus says, the kingdom of the heavens is near. In other words, the time is coming When that split is going to be healed. Heaven and earth are going to be reunited under the good, unopposed rule of God. And knowing that truth changes everything. It changes everything. It's going to be bad news, of course, for those who stubbornly want to continue in their opposition to God. They'll have no place in that kingdom. But it's going to be very good news for those who find the humility and good sense to come to Jesus Taking that opportunity to be reconciled to our God as he bears the burden of our sin. And Jesus says, understand this, understand this with your hearts. That is, understand as your heart is softened, let this affect your choices, your decisions, your direction in life, and so forth. Turn, turn from rejection of God to submission, turn and your unbelief your hard-heartedness your sin will be healed be humble seek mercy jesus has already called us in this direction of course come to me he has said all of you are weary and burdened and i will give you rest hear see understand and turn it's a wonderful moment isn't it watching understanding dawning on someone's face I suppose this is why people throw surprise parties, although sometimes I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I suppose it, it, it's, that, it's that idea isn't it, you know, of capturing on your smartphone, that, that moment, that sort of surprisingly slow movement, amusingly slow movement, as the person comes in and you know, works out what's going on. But it's a good moment. It's a good moment. I suppose this is also what the, the moment that teachers love to see. It's the aha moment. The moment when the penny drops. You know, when someone who's been stubbornly not understanding something suddenly gets it. It may not be a kind of complete understanding, but a, but a certain threshold has been passed. And, and interest and questions and excitement all come flowing out. That's why many teachers went into teaching in the first place. And no doubt many of them would wish it would happen more often. But it's likewise with the Christian faith, is it not when the light of understanding dawns on someone's face. Uh, No wonder they throw a surprise party in heaven. But I think there's uh, still more we can find out from Jesus' teaching uh, about here, about the process of coming to faith and persevering in faith. And that's from the the final part of our passage this evening, the third and final part. Uh, The part where Jesus explains the parable that he told right at the beginning. Now, as I we was saying last time, remember the main reason when Jesus is doing this is so, so that we're not surprised when, when people respond badly and so we can keep speaking about it. But also, as we read this, we can read it in another way as well. Because this tells us a great deal about what a good response looks like and many things to be warned of along the way. And so, the call to respond builds still further. Remember what we've had so far? We've had a hear, see, understand, and turn. Uh, Now we get that again, but built on again. Hear, see, understand, turn. This time, persevere and be fruitful. One last time, we hear from Jesus. Hear the word of the kingdom. See its truth. Understand its implications. Turn to Jesus. And then, well, keep going in that direction. Keep going in that direction against all the pressures to turn away. And as you keep going, be fruitful. Because why would you not want to hear? Why would you like, want your life to be like the seed sown on the path? As Jesus describes it in verse 19. This is what he says. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path? The parable tells me that there's a real possibility of that. There's a real possibility even tonight. Uh, that though, you know, even though you may not be you know, actually physically asleep tonight, you might well be in a kind of sleep mode. You know, I kind of understand it. it's a warm evening. I'd understand it if you kind of dropped off for those kind of reasons. But some will have placed themselves in what you might call a sleep mode. Rather like you might put your computer in a sleep mode or your TV on standby. The message of the kingdom for such people will be vibrating in the air. It might even be vibrating your eardrum. But it's not getting through. It's kind of odd talking about this because presumably if it is happening, you're not really listening to me even now which is kind of strange. But if you do have ears to hear, I just want to pass on Jesus' warning one last time. We're not playing games here. If this verse is right, if verse 19 is right, and uh, you listen to the other voice, the voice that's in your head telling you that none of this really matters, well, given what Jesus says here, that means that you are under, if you like, evil attack, You are being deceived. And let me tell you that you are being swindled out of something enormously valuable if you do not listen to what Jesus says. And why would you want that? So hear. So take any reluctance you might be feeling at any time. A reluctance to listen. A reluctance to hear. A reluctance to investigate and ask questions. Take that as a warning sign and adjust the path you're on. Hear Jesus afresh. Or moving on, why would you want to be like the seed falling on rocky places? In verse 20, listen to what Jesus says about this. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no roots, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Even this last year at Christ Church Forward, I think we've had, we've had many wonderfully uh, respond to the Christian message with joy. Uh, but then sadly, uh, for some, it hasn't lasted. Why is that? And I think for many, it is just simply that the cost, once they've come to realise it, has been too high. And for those I'm thinking about, it's not really so much the danger of physical harm. We might have that in other contexts. Say we're being called to be a Christian in Pakistan or Saudi Arabia, for example. But it's the other kind of cost, isn't it? It's the kind of persistent mockery that you might get from friends or colleagues. And perhaps even most especially, it's going to be the resistance and disapproval that you might get from your family that proves too much for you in the end. That fear of upsetting those very precious relationships. That's what caused people to fall away. Well, what can I say if that's you tonight? Well, what Jesus says is that if that's happening to you, then you are letting something you once at least briefly realized to be incredibly valuable, you're letting that be scorched and destroyed And I guess the question that you have to face at this very moment, are you going to let yourself and your faith be shriveled up like that? Why would you want that? So Jesus' counsel for us tonight is to take all of those worries, all of those fears. They may be considerable. We know that. But take those fears as a warning sign and adjust the path you're on. Turn back to him. Trust him again. You see, as we read the scriptures, we know that he's been through much worse on our behalf. And when he promises us that we will be safe in the end, that it will work out, we can be sure that that promise is absolutely secure because it's guaranteed and written in his blood. Or moving on to the next story. Why would you want to be like the seed that fell among the thorns? In verse 22, verse 22, Listen to what Jesus says about this. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Now this, uh, I think, is now getting uh, painfully uh, close to home uh, for me, I know, and I suspect uh, a number of us uh, here at Christ Church Forward. I don't think a day goes by without me feeling constrained in one way or another by what Jesus calls here the worries of this life. Now, Jesus has talked before in Matthew's Gospel about these uh, things, and uh, they do seem to be worries ultimately about survival. Jesus talked about wealth as well. And wealth is deceitful. That's one of the key things we can pick up here. The deceit of wealth lies in its false prophets, Promise It's a false promise to deal with the worries of this life by providing lasting security and long-term happiness. Now we know if we think about that, we know in our heads that of course wealth is unable to provide those things. It cannot provide those things. But wealth is deceitful. Too often we find that lie strangely Persuasive. And uh, we know, therefore, it's going to be especially possible in a a relatively prosperous place like Forward. Therefore, for the Christian life to become squeezed and squashed in between a whole host of other things, which we're simultaneously trying to trust for security and happiness. Could be all sorts of things, I guess. Could be trying to pursue the the best career that we can. Uh, It could be about buying the best and safest car for our family. You know, nothing fancy, nothing too ostentatious, but you know, solid, reliable. Or the best housing, perhaps, best schools for our children. Many of these things may not be bad things in themselves, but as we trust in them, as an alternative to trusting in the gospel, they become a problem, don't they? We may be seeking in amongst all these things, you know, as people who try and seek the best, good quality Christian teaching. But the tragedy would be this. The tragedy would be having, you know, week by week, you know, a clear and precise picture of all that God is doing, uh, an encounter with Jesus through the scriptures. that set in front of us very clearly, week by week. What a privilege. But what a tragedy if we never properly act upon it. I suppose it would be a bit like having a car, a nice car perhaps, and knowing where we could drive it and what we could use it for, but never actually getting in it or turning it on. In other words, we're holding back. We're holding back in service and love and fruitfulness because we're clinging too tightly to something we feel might give us extra security or happiness. And as I say, it could be all sorts of things. Wealth for some. For others, a relationship we know is wrong and unhelpful, but you know, we want it anyway. For others, it could be the approval of friends who have got a very different agenda will drag us away from loving and serving. Could be all sorts of different things, but all of them dangerous. And I guess the question is, are we going to let ourselves be choked and strangled to death like that? once we've seen the warning here black and white in front of us on the pages of scripture, why would we want that? And so this is uh, my call to us uh, tonight, Jesus' call to us tonight. As we hear what he's saying and see and understand what that means, uh, take that te- let's take that temptation to find security elsewhere. Take it as a warning sign, a symptom of something going wrong. And so let's adjust the path and trust in him alone. And then finally, lastly, why wouldn't we want to be like the fourth kind of soil, the good soil, in verse 23? Listen again to what Jesus says. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is what we want to be. And actually, it's not important that Jesus doesn't clarify what the crop is. Um, You might have noticed that's the part of the parable that's left unexplained. He doesn't interpret that part. I suppose the point is that it's this suggestion of a life that is like a plant sinking roots deep into good soil, seeking nourishment. That's the kind of picture that Jesus is presenting. What that means in in Matthew's Gospel, that's going to mean drinking deeply from Jesus and his teaching. From Jesus and his teaching. It's going to mean drinking up that instruction about uh, the depth of life that comes, for example, from the Sermon on the Mount earlier in the Gospel, or, 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 the mission, or, or the Sermon about mission in Matthew chapter 10, and then later in the Gospel, the Great Commissions. Drinking from all of these things. A life of depth that presents the light of God to the world. A, light that, a life that wants to multiply the kingdom, spread the word. A life like that. This is drinking Deeply. From Jesus with a purpose. Getting involved in all these things, an unconstrained, productive participation, the kind of loving service that Jesus enables and models for us. That's what Jesus is encouraging. That's the vision from this parable. And uh, we're going to pray tonight that we would be captivated by it. And so we come near uh, to the end. And uh, one, I wonder how you've been doing tonight. How do you think you've uh, been doing? Have you been like the dog in the picture? Has it been blah blah Jesus, blah blah kingdom, blah blah faith? I suppose for some, you know, this is how many times have you heard sermons on the parable of the sower? Hundreds, perhaps. Hundreds and hundreds. This might be just a, another in a long line of sermons like that. But I suppose one of the sobering truths that this parable brings before us uh, this evening is that it's possible to be hearing that, to be hearing the kingdom, the news of the kingdom, uh, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, even perhaps decade after decade but actually not really hearing very much at all. Now remember, this is nothing about whether you've been hearing or listening to me. This is about having the scriptures open in front of us and hearing and listening to what Jesus says. We have the living word of God in front of us. Are we listening to him? Jesus has cried out, implored us. He's taken us in our slumber and shaken us. He who has ears, let him hear. This is so important. So we've got to ask ourselves, have we, have we seen with our eyes, heard with our ears, understood with our hearts, and turned to Jesus? Are we determined now, with God's help, to keep going with him against all those pressures that we've talked about to give up and to doubt? And are we determined to pursue that vision of fruitful lives to his glory? Well, let's pray that we would be. Heavenly Father, so many, many things we could pray about tonight. And uh, we think of those of us who have perhaps uh, been led astray by various things and need to return uh, to the right path in things to remember the security of Jesus' promises and uh, the certainty of the kingdom. Uh, Please bring us back to the right path. But uh, we do want to pray especially tonight for those who haven't yet heard Jesus speak and call. We pray that tonight will be the night that you unblocked their ears, that you opened their eyes, that you bring them to understand in their hearts that they might turn to Jesus and find the kingdom and find that blessing. We do most especially pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.